Hello, everyone. You're listening to Cultivated Space, a podcast for Indigenous voices. Today, we have Taylor Lucero. She's a fourth year student at the University of Denver. Welcome, Taylor. Hi, Rashawn. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so Guatsi Hopa Ushraj Hanusta Eyakawashista Hatsatso. So I introduce myself in my Karis language. So my clans are Big Sun Little Corn and I'm from the village of Mesita in the Pueblo of Laguna in New Mexico. I here on campus I'm studying criminology and critical race and ethnic studies. I'm also a fellow New Mexico Davis scholar along with having the roles of the co-chair president for the Native Student Alliance and an undergraduate representative for the Native American Community Advisory Board and the Native American Indigenous Leadership Council, as well as a member of the Sand Creek Memorial Team. Dang, that was a pretty sacred intro. It's as sacred as it gets. So Taylor, I dragged you here today to drop some wisdom and knowledge on all the relatives listening. What do you got for me? Well, let's let's be nostalgic real quick, okay? Okay. So we were we our friendship goes goes back a while, right? Yeah. We were College Horizon scholars. We got the same scholarship, the Davis New Mexico scholarship, and bam, we're almost graduating. Yeah, we've definitely been through it together, Rashawn. What happened with time? I feel like I just met you yesterday. It definitely feels like the same day when you first got here and we all met up at Spanky's. Yep, Spanky's. For those of you who do not know what Spanky's is, it's a restaurant off Evans. Oh, God forsake that name. It's a restaurant off Evans that has burgers and stuff. But yeah, that was one of my earliest memories of you. Definitely, yeah. And then when I first saw you, I remember you from College Horizons because you were drumming for that girl and you ran out of air. (laughs) I did run out of air. (laughs) You remember that? And then I just remember you being at the same New Mexico Davis Scholarship um, site in Santa Fe. I remember you were there, John was there, and we were getting our big old diplomas. That did happen. That did happen. What happened with time? What? This is crazy. Yeah, but... Our friendship goes pretty far back, and I feel like during this whole time within college, I have the right to call you sister. Definitely. It's always brother or cousin with me and you. So, we actually, like, we've been through it, yo. Like, we've been through it. We did not know what we were getting into when we signed our contract to the University of Denver. Definitely. But, like, through all of this, like, I've had so much experience within, like, just being a a native at a campus like this. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, can you explain your relationship with the institution? I feel like my relationship with the institution specifically, it's a very difficult one, if I'm being honest. I felt like... 
my role as a student leader as well as just being a student I've definitely observed and witnessed some of the atrocities that our own native and indigenous students staff and faculty go through on a daily basis um, I myself had a terrible experience with the institution where I was hate crimed my freshman year and I felt like the university did nothing to even accommodate me or like support me during that matter um, a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that you know the native and indigenous community does that's where it's at and I feel like a lot of the times people don't give credit where it's due um, and I always make that really clear is that the work that we do as students it's all from the Native Student Alliance and not from the institution of the University of Denver. And I think that point you made is very critical and it's very like it's something that everybody needs to know because the institution does like to piggyback off tokenizing us, right? That and then just a lack of diversity, not only from like Native and Indigenous students, but like from also different students of color. Yeah. And for those who don't know, um, the the native student population at the University of Denver is less than 1%. So that gives you kind of some context of like our life, essentially, these past couple of years. And the fact that we're graduating soon in the, in like the next couple months in June, there's a lot like to unpack. Yeah, it's definitely a, a lot of reflection. And I know like me and you being seniors, I know we're seeing a lot of what we were when we were freshmen in our current freshmen now. Yeah, and I think a lot of the experiences that we had, they're being reflected onto them. Definitely. And it's all the good experiences. It's all the hurtful experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I feel like since my freshman year, it's been a very difficult ride. Um, I think for the most part, I've definitely gone through the culture shock like many students of color and minority students go through when they enter a predominantly white institution for the first time. I had just graduated in 2018 from Santa Fe Indian School, which is an all-native, mostly public school, and going from that to like knowing you know, different nations like Navajo Nation or you have um, Ogallala Lakota. Um, There's just so much diversity like within our own groups. I just kind of wish it was like that for the rest of the campus because it's very hard to find that here when we're constantly being tokenized and we're being used for the brochures. Yeah, and these experiences, they're not something that only a few go through, right? Yeah. It's all our brothers and sisters that we have made relations with, right? Yeah. So with with that, like, can you talk a little bit about if you feel comfortable about the hate crime that you've um, experienced? Yeah, so this was during, it actually, um, just this last weekend. Um, what's today's day? It's like the... 14th? Yeah, the 14th of April, yeah. 2022. I believe on April 9th, that marked, I believe, the three-year anniversary since that happened to me. Um, this happened in spring quarter of my freshman year. I lived in Centennial Halls, which is at the farther end of the campus. And one night, I was at the library, um, and I was doing some studying, some late work. And um, usually when I when I walk back to my dorm, I'm usually aware of like my surroundings. 
Um, I usually walk in the light um, just so that I know that I'm safe and for my protection. But however, walking on South High Street, I believe, um, I was walking towards Centennial Halls where my dorm was and I was on the phone and I could hear like a white truck car like pulling up and then like they opened the window and like they threw stuff at me it was like in water balloons and I didn't know what it was but like they threw like probably like five or six of those at me and they just like drove off laughing and so like when I when that first happened like I didn't know how to like react um I like stood there and I felt like I was frozen and like I just felt like I like I wanted to cry and when I went back to my dorm room I had my roommate Alexis there at the time and like I told her what happened and I just remember like crying in her arms and like I was just really traumatized because like my fall and my winter quarter were already kind of like kind of terrible if I'm being honest um I was just going through a lot of like mental issues and like I was just really missing home and stuff so it's like the imposter syndrome was definitely there and that when that incident happened to me I just felt like it kind of took me over the edge um that next morning I believe I did not go to class because at the time my classes were like on the very opposite end of campus so I definitely didn't feel safe when I when I walked so I went to the um former Native American um program and liaisons manager Vicky Eagle at the time and I had confided in her of what happened to me and she was very visibly upset and she definitely took action like right then and there um I remember she called campus safety who came and took a report of what happened um and even then I think I also have conflicts with DU campus safety because um, they took the details of what happened and they never did anything with that information. Um, usually when hate crimes or hate incidents, incidences happen on campus, um, DU campus safety sends out like a mass email letting students know like this happened and like if you have any, any information like to please contact them. Um, they never did that for me and they never contacted me back about my situation specifically. And then, um, yeah, I just remember all of that happening. And I remember I once got an email from the DU administration. Like, I, I don't remember who it was from at the time, but I felt like they were trying to say that I made the situation about race when, like, clearly, like, in my statements to DU Campus Safety, I never once mentioned race. I never once mentioned, like, that I was Native American. I just told them, like, yes, this happened to me. And they basically turned the situation trying to make it seem like it was my fault and stuff. And they never gave me, like, support or resources. And so I think a lot of that determines, like, why I have a specific and personal um, relationship with the university. And it's usually not a good one. Yeah. And, like, with all of that... <clears throat> Look at your place now, right? Yeah. You carry all these hats of leadership, of activists, like a, a being of of change, right? And that's the way I see you from our friendship and how like we've kind of grown together during these past few years. But as we take our courses and like we were, we mentioned earlier um, that 
if we had the choice, we would have majored and studied in Native American studies. Mm -hmm. But over here at the institution, there is no such thing that exists. We don't even have a Native center, right? No. No place to pray. um, No place to be seen other than a little room at the cultural center, right? Or even at best. So when we think about all these things, especially within like our history, um, within like this country, how how the narrative and the story is always being told by those within power, right? Mm-hmm. And when we experience that, when we actually experience that, like that affects our lives, right? Like yeah. you said, you've you've been harassed, mm-hmm. you've been a target this whole time we've been here, right? Yeah. You're a threat to this privilege that walks around the university. Yeah. And just to be that, you know, you have to be a very like strong person. You have you have to be somebody that people look up to, mm-hmm. and um, I see that, and I I look up to you personally like that, yeah. but. And like all this, we see all this repetition with with those people, the elite, getting away with things. Yeah. And we study about it. We write about it to our teachers, to our professors. Yeah. But in turn, we see it happening over and over again. We've experienced it. I have my fair share of of feeling feeling alone in that way, right? Mm-hmm. But when you try to bring it back, like all together. Um, it becomes more complex. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of, that's a lot of message. That's a message that's being diluted to our families, right? So when the institution says we thrive off diversity, inclusion, equity, mm-hmm. what does that even really mean, right? The brochures yeah. on the campus tell our families that we're going to be okay. We're going to be supported. Mm-hmm. But look at us. We don't have a center. We don't have a place to pray. You know, we don't have indigenous counselors. They kind of even remove a mascot that represents the genocide of indigenous peoples could you talk a little bit about that yeah so at least from what i know uh, when i first came to native student alliance i actually it's very ironic i didn't come to the meetings at first and i didn't want to take part because i think i was still dealing with some like identity issues on campus but eventually i started coming to the meetings i started to be more active um i started off on our executive board as a secretary so i basically was in charge of the emails taking notes and like doing that for our our executive board team that we have in NSA and since my sophomore year up until this point I've been the co-chair president for three consecutive terms that's definitely something I didn't see myself in um, but I feel like the leadership part just came really natural to me and I think that all comes from the ELK cohort that graduated in 2019 when we as freshmen would listen to like their stories and their experiences of like what they went through here on campus. I definitely took that to heart um, because I know they worked so hard within their time here, but also the university was limiting our students so much and like in their movement. And like one of those movements is the No More Pilots movement. Um, which is basically the removal of the unofficial mascot of Pioneer, also known as Boone, um, a symbol of genocide, assimilation, white supremacy, um, in the Sand Creek Massacre, in which over 200 and plus Cheyenne Arapaho um, relatives were killed. And that includes men, women, elderly, and children. 
your path to leadership has been something that like I've definitely seen seen come um, but how you represent yourself and your community is really rooted in your relationship with the community right mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure that the teachings that were taught down from from your grandparents to your parents to those people who raised you how to like keep balance in that way right but when we're in a place like this where practicing our indigeneity is become so like radical and so political when it's not even supposed to be right like that right we're supposed to find balance within all of it yeah. and the fact that we're just brown it's a threat like to like you said white supremacy it's a threat to Boone it's yeah. a threat to this colonizer entity that do you continues to uphold definitely and i think what i've noticed it's a problematic pattern of how this institution that does like to thrive off of diversity equity and inclusion and how they're so wrapped up around a mascot that clearly represents like hate and it's like i don't know how this institution has prioritized alumni rich alumni if i add and also just you know, just the thing that does not represent like who we are as like native and indigenous people, but it doesn't represent like the whole student body. Yeah, and it's it's really ironic considering that like the the really tight knit link between the founding of this place mm -hmm. and the, like the massacre that you just talked about. And it, like I said, it's, it's this repeating it's this repeating thing of white supremacy and. These, like, to think now, like, think back when you were a freshman, right? Yeah. And we've seen the the leaders of the Native Student Alliance, right? Ontario, Ray, um, Autumn, and all these people that we've looked upon mm -hmm. that were carrying this torch, this fight, right? That the pioneer is something that is that DU should be very ashamed of yeah. that DU should be forced to reckon with but they refuse not to right mm -hmm. so we bring all this right we've essentially carried the torch mm -hmm. during our time here and that we've created a system that the alliance is made for each other yeah not not for this clout that the university is getting, right? Yeah. And I was talking about um, before that no matter where Indigenous people are, we're going to find family within all of it. Yeah. And that's something that I've definitely experienced here. Um, knowing that we we've shared different seats right within these these circles of of supposed change and how how and reflecting upon all of that mm -hmm. do you think you lit the torch well i'm confident enough to say that i've definitely been super involved i think one of those like i said before was that I took previous students' experiences to heart and I always promised like myself and the future students of the Native Student Alliance that, you know, I think it's always been within my leadership that I want to create future leaders, um, future changers. Um, it's very important to me because as unfortunate as it has been being here, I've also found like the better moments in Native Student Alliance. and. 
I think as a leader, I know you had mentioned before that like this space used to be so political and sometimes it can still be made that way. Um, but also it's like creating a safer space for native and indigenous students on campus. And um, it really warms my heart, like how now we're so active in the DU community and like how every week we have these socials where like our students can come together and like no matter what it is, like there's community there. We've created these unbreakable bonds and we've become family and um, having these relationships and kinship, it's really what has grounded me. And I've seen not only myself grow, but I've seen our students change and they're gonna become leaders. And I have no doubt that they're gonna definitely raise some good hell. And I know they're gonna bring, they're gonna challenge the university the same way that our out cohort did, the same way we did. And you know, now it's their turn. Going back to this idea of bringing community together, I, I understand that you were one of the major players, one of the major people that organized the RAR protest, the Righteous Anger Healing Resistance protest that demanded the, the rid of the Pioneer moniker. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually remember when they first reached out um, to the Native Student Alliance. I just became culture at the time, and that was during a rough time, too, because I believe that's when um, the COVID-19 pandemic kicked us out of college really quick. So yeah, yeah. there was really no time to adapt to online classes. So that within itself was really tough. But I remember getting an email um, from a couple of um, students and staff on campus who were putting together this Write Your Anger Healing Resistance group and they reached out to NSA and, you know, we just wanted to kind of collaborate and like share our ideas together and one of those was um, No More Piles which was to bring up, again, the removal of the moniker Pioneer as it does represent assimilation, genocide, white supremacy, like so many things Um, and, you know, it's been a movement that's, you know, been within NSA for like more than a decade now um i always remember vicky eagle telling us that this nsa group started off as like two to three students at one point and now like we have over 20 25 active members so um definitely growing in numbers and also it's like you said carrying the torch um to carry the fight from our previous cohort of students um but this collaboration between the affinity well we are an affinity organization but RAR wasn't technically one at the time um but I do remember them reaching out and they were like let's bring our ideas together like we could really make things work so I was all for it being that I really wanted to bring it back to the attention of the chancellor who I believe was like being integrated in DU already since our previous chancellor was just stepping out. And so we kind of had this idea, like maybe this guy might be more, you know, more about equality, equity, diversion, everything that DU stands for. So along with not only that demand to remove the pioneer moniker, but I remember, um, we were calling for the university to divest or diverse, I don't know what the term is, but um, to remove like all partnerships with ICE. Um, another one was to create a critical race and ethnic studies department. Um, Cause 
you, the DU, um, we only have critical race and ethnic studies as a minor, but it will soon um, be created into a major, which is awesome. Um, another thing is to re reinstate the Native American Community Advisory Board, which is a group that works with a member on campus, and they are the direct link to the chancellor. Um, and there are several more, and a lot of that was centered around, like, you know, putting up the Sand Creek Memorial Massacre site, which is something that the university, I feel like, fails to acknowledge a lot of the times, especially, like, on their campus tours. I mean, that was something that we didn't learn about until we got here and until, you know, we were kind of locked in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the time... We threw our ideas together. We definitely did a lot of planning over the summer. Um, so a lot of it was virtual. And we talked about like, we wanna also have like in like teaching to teach out moments where we come and we bring community. And we talk about a lot of issues like social justice, race, class, like all sorts of things. And like, I really enjoyed it. Um, but one of the big things that we wanted to do that we felt like hadn't been done in quite a long time um, was do a protest. Hey there, folks. Make sure to listen to part two of Taylor's story in the next episode of Cultivated Space. We'll see you there. <laughs>